talk about tonight um, are the effects of our physical health on our mental health and vice versa. Right? When I, when I talked to Steve, I'm going to be completely honest with you guys. When I talked to Steve about this topic, I like felt some conviction. And you're like, why'd you feel conviction? Well, I'm going to tell you guys here in just a second. Um, it is really, really easy to find rhythms and patterns that are not healthy. If you guys ever found that to be true, like it's really easy to do things that are just like convenient. Like that's like literally the synonyms right there, easy, convenient. Um, but things that are beneficial for us are oftentimes a lot harder to get into the habit of doing. Um, our physical health and our mental health are connected because we are one body, but we have a soul. Uh, we are spiritual beings, but we live in a very physical world. Um, so my conviction, I'm gonna be honest with you guys, I don't eat super well. Um, I get way less sleep than I need to, and I'm not near as active as I'd like to be. And that plays a crazy impact on your mental health. Maybe you've thought about this. Maybe you're like, duh, maybe you've never thought about this before in your life. Um, let's say that you've got a presentation due next week for a class. You guys have finals coming up, so like you might actually have presentations coming up. But let's say you've got a presentation, not just like a test, not just like I'm just going to bubble in some answers and hope I get it right. No, you've got like you got to get up in front of people. Who gets like anxiety in front of large groups and stuff like that? Like you don't want to be doing what I'm doing right now. Quite a few of us. Okay, let's say you've got this presentation coming up. And you've been putting off all sorts of other schoolwork for a week because you need to focus on this presentation. It is like overwhelming you. And your friends are like, hey, let's hang out tonight. And you're like, I can't. I got this big presentation tomorrow. I want to be well rested for my presentation for this thing tomorrow. But you get anxiety being in front of big groups. So that night you lay down and your head hits the pillow and a light turns on and you don't sleep at all. And all night you're tossing and you're turning and you do probably what I do when I can't sleep. You roll over, you grab your phone, you get on Instagram. Does that help you sleep? No. And for some reason, we tell ourselves that it will. Like, oh, well, like, I'll just like, do this until I get tired or something like that. And you watch reels, and sooner or later, it's been like four and a half hours, and you haven't slept at all. And then the next morning, you wake up, and you're still not prepared for this presentation. So you're like, you know what? I'm just going to skip this, this 8 a.m. class. Does anybody have an 8 a.m. class? I am so sorry. Like deeply within my soul, I am so sorry for you guys that have 8 a.m. classes. You skip your 8 a.m. class so you can continue preparing for this presentation. And because you're so focused on this presentation, you don't eat very well. You just like grab something and it's not very healthy. And then you go into your presentation and the entire morning you've been thinking about like, well, what if I fail? What if, what if I show up to the wrong room? What if I like completely forget my notes? What if I walk up in front of everybody and I actually pee my pants? Like what if... And our mind starts racing and we get in this place where like you're crippled in fear and doubt and anxiety and you can't do this and finally it's over and you are so relieved that it's finally over. But then you remember all of the stuff that you procrastinated on for an entire week that you could have been getting done, but this took all of your emotional energy. So you really quick, you grab some food and then you grab coffee and energy drinks and you're up all night trying to get all this other work done that you didn't get done. And the next thing you know, you fall asleep with Netflix open on your computer because you're not working. You've got Instagram or TikTok on your phone in your hand. You're sleeping on your couch like this. And and you wake up and you forgot to set an alarm so you're late again for your class and your day is just off to a terrible start. You got no sleep two nights in a row and, and this cascades. 
And the decisions you make on being active or on the food that you eat or when you have a reasonable bedtime, they cascade. Because when you don't sleep, you start to feel stress and anxiety, like everything's overwhelming, and that causes you to not sleep some more. And that causes you to just like comfort eat, and comfort eating causes you to feel sluggish, and you don't want to get up and be active, and that just makes you feel even worse. And it's, it's this cycle. We get into these rhythms that are super unhealthy for us. I'm like, I feel like to some extent, that's like expected out of college students. Like, that's like, oh, that's what college students do. You have no money, so you spend it all on coffee and rock stars. Um, that's what I'd do when I was in college. I would get, like, one of those giant rock stars at, like, 3 o'clock in the morning so I could finish writing a paper, and I'd chug it, and then I'd just go to sleep. Like, I, it, it benefited me none, and then I'd wake up the next morning, and my mouth would still have that weird kind of flavor in it from the energy drink, you know what I'm talking about? And I'd be like, well, I wasted $5 on the energy drink, and I still didn't get my paper done. These cycles, they hurt us way more than we'd like to think that they do. And this is honestly probably one of the simplest things in our minds to change. Like, oh, I'm just going to, to be dedicated. Like, how many of you guys make New Year's resolutions? Anybody in here? And every year you're like, you know what? I'm going to make a change. I'm going to do something different this year. And maybe it is the way you eat. Or maybe it's the way you spend your time. Or maybe you're like, I'm going to pursue relationships and friendships and really invest in that this year. But what happens is we get fixated on certain things and we let other things tend to kind of go by the wayside. Have you guys ever felt like that? And these, these healthy habits, these are like, like I said, this is something that I'm like personally convicted about. And my wife is probably in the back of the room really happy that I'm convicted about it because she's been telling me for our entire marriage, like, hey, we should make healthier food decisions. And I'm like, or we could get 100 chicken nuggets from McDonald's. And she's like, we should go to bed in a reasonable time. And then like every night it's like 10.30 and like we should go to bed soon. And then it's like midnight by the time we finally crawl into bed. And she's got to be up at work by 7.45 and that doesn't always happen. I'm supposed to be at work by 9. That doesn't always happen. That's not even that hard to do. Right? And we're like, we should go for a walk. And then it starts raining and like, oh, no, not going to go for a walk. And the next day we're like, we should go for a walk. And it's like, but it's cold outside. Like, not going to go for a walk. Like, we should go for a walk the third day in a row, we should walk our new dog, and we're like, or we could just keep watching TV. That sounds great. And we end up in these cycles of just unhealthy. And, and I'm not saying that like that is the source of your mental health struggles, your depression, or your anxiety. It is not like binge watching Netflix is not necessarily, and I'm not saying to say it can't, but it's it's not necessarily going to put you in this tailspin. But it's this really simple thing that we actually have the ability to make changes, make decisions, and have a positive impact. But sometimes that can be one of the most difficult things we feel like we're going to do in our entire week. Guys, what this really comes down to is it comes down to the idea of stewardship. And to be a steward is literally a caretaker. If you've ever been on an airplane, the flight attendants, what they were called before flight attendants, were stewards and stewardesses. And what they do is they take care of you on an airplane. If you've ever been on an airplane, they'll come by and they'll like hand you like your drink and your chips, or your cookies, or your snacks. Or if you fly United, they give you those uh, Stroopwafels. Um, and that's the only reason to fly United. This is going to the podcast. I want them to hear that. Um, they give you those amazing little... And, and if you need something, you like ask for a stewardess. You ask for someone who's taking care of you. And, and, and what we are really called to is we are called to steward the things in life that God gives us. 
God commands us to, to be good stewards. In 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 10, it says, As each has received a gift, use it to serve one another as good stewards of God's varied grace. Colossians chapter 3, verse 23, Whatever you do, work heartily as for the Lord and not for men. And then there's the parable of the talents, if you're familiar with it, where the men are called good who steward what God gives them wisely. But the guy who doesn't take care of it, who uses it poorly and doesn't, doesn't do what he's called to do, the term in Scripture is literally, you lazy and wicked servant. Guys, we are called to be stewards as Jesus followers with whatever it is that God gives us. And most often this term, when you hear it in church, is talking about money, right? It's talking like, oh, you need to steward your finances well. You need to, to be responsible with retirement and savings and, and tithing and giving to the church and supporting the ministry that God wants to do. And we talk about stewardship a lot in that. But what about stewarding your time? Because we've each got the same amount of time every single day and the way that we use it impacts the way that we move forward in our week or even the way that we don't move forward. We're called to be good stewards. But do you think about stewarding your body well? First Corinthians chapter 6, verse 19 says, Do you not know that your bodies are temples of the Holy Spirit who is in you? whom you have received from God, you are not your own. You were bought with a price. Therefore, honor God with your bodies. Guys, this is a biblical call to take care of the body that you have been given. When I was in high school and I was going to church and and I'm from Louisiana, so I went to this small Southern Baptist, like super, super conservative church. Like the lights that we have in the room, we weren't allowed to do that. You stood during worship and you weren't allowed to raise your hands. You had to hold a hymn book in front of you and you would read off the page. It was five and a half years before we finally put a TV or projector screen in there so people didn't have to hold the hymn book. And you know what happened after we put this TV in there? People still opened up that hymn book and I'm like, brother, words are right there. And none of you guys know how to read sheet music. The words are right there on the screen. And they're like, nope, this is how I'm going to sing to the Lord. I go to this church and this verse gets used all the time out of context as to why you shouldn't get tattoos and why men shouldn't have piercings. For some reason, women were allowed to decorate the temple, but men were not. Um, and that always like, kind of confused me as to why they were trying to use this verse, because this is completely out of context. It has nothing to do with that. If you've got a piercing or a tattoo, I've got both. It doesn't really matter. God loves you, and, and God sent his son to die for your sins, not because of what you wanted to put on your body or the clothes that you wanted to wear or anything like that, but because you were created in the image of God to bear witness to his goodness and to his grace. Guys, that's what stewardship really is. When you do something well, when you steward what God gives you well, you are saying, God, you have let me borrow this, but this is yours. What did it say right there? It says, you are not your own. You are bought with a price. Therefore, this connected, you are bought with a price. Because of that, honor God with your bodies. And it is really difficult to find those healthy habits and rhythms to do just that. 
when it says that your bodies are temples, what it's pointing back to is it's pointing back to this Old Testament understanding. Um, if you have, if you know the story of Moses at all, where he's like, Pharaoh, Pharaoh, let my people go, and there's the water and all the crazy stuff, and they're wandering through the desert for years, there ends up being this tent because God's people, the Israelites, are nomadic, right? They're wandering around the, the wilderness for a really long time, and they build this tent, and this tent is referred to as the tabernacle. This is the place while God is leading his people through the wilderness to the land he has promised them. This is the place where God's presence resides. And then we see King Saul, and then we see King David, and David has this passion to build a temple for God, but never quite gets to it. So his son Solomon builds the temple. And this temple is destroyed and then rebuilt in the book of Ezra and Nehemiah. And, and this is now the place where God's presence resides. There's a special room inside the temple called the Holy of Holies. Like, I don't think you can get like a more grand name. The Holy of Holies. This is the most set-apart place of all set-apart places. And there's this giant curtain, this thick, thick curtain that separates it. And, and this is where God's presence resided throughout the rest of the Old Testament and even into the beginning of the New Testament. God's presence resided in a building. Like you guys came here tonight to, to worship, to hear teaching, to, to hang out with your friends and see people that you don't get to see throughout the week. For the Jewish people, for God's people, they had to come into a place and specifically seek out God's presence. But when Jesus was hanging on the cross and he died on the cross for your sins and mine, it says he, he called out, Father, why have you forsaken me? He breathed his last. He bowed his head. The sky went dark. And it says this curtain, the veil, tore from top to bottom. Now, I don't remember the exact dimensions, but it's something like 30 feet up in the air, 30, 45 feet up in the air. People were not climbing up to the top of this curtain to like snip it with some scissors and then like grab onto like Indiana Jones and like ride it the rest of the way down. That's not how this worked. No, God tore this curtain and the symbolism in that is that we are no longer separated from the presence of God because Jesus tells us that he is going to send his spirit to indwell in us. Guys, you are a temple because you are the dwelling place of God. If you are a Jesus follower in this room, God has changed your life. You have submitted to his authority and to his grace and to his goodness. You are the dwelling place of the Holy Spirit. Have you guys ever been into like just like a magnificent, like a really, really pretty building? Have you guys ever been to Oregon State Capitol? It's not that. It's not like a really pretty building. It's not. Where I'm from in Louisiana, there the new state capitol is it is a pretty elegant building. It was built in the 1930s and it's the tallest state capitol building in the country. But the old state capitol was literally this like French Gothic fort. There's like stained glass everywhere and there's this giant spiral staircase. It's probably like 20 feet wide. And as you walk up, you can look at all this stained glass and there's all this ornate architecture. And when I look at it, I've grown up and that's like, oh, that's the old state capital. And you would go there on like school field trips on like third or fourth grade, you know what I'm talking about? You would go and you'd look at the state capital and then you're like, wow, this is where like all the government and stuff was. And they're like, this used to be a fort. They had cannons here. And I was like, oh, that's pretty cool. Did they have cannons at the new state capitol? No, that's not a thing. 
You try to get to know the purpose of this noble building. Have you guys ever been into just like a crazy nice house? Some of the houses that we've gone to for some of our college retreats, I love walking in and everybody's just like, whoa, this is sick. And you can afford it for a weekend on Airbnb, but you could like never buy a house like that, right? And those houses, those spaces, they have something unique about them because the reason that you're going to this really cool house on the coast in just a couple weeks for a college retreat, or if you went to the cool houses in Sun River or whatever it is, is you're going to meet with God. And I think about those are not temples in themselves, but they are an opportunity for us to separate ourselves from the world briefly and get in tune with God because his Holy Spirit dwells within us. I don't want us to think that we have to go to the college retreat to meet with the Lord. You should go to the college retreat and you will meet with the Lord, but you don't have to because he lives within you. Guys, as a Jesus follower, your body is a temple. It was set aside for a noble purpose. The New Testament tells us that we are a royal priesthood. And when you think about the idea of a royal priesthood, hopefully you think about someone who is not like everybody else. They are set aside for a noble purpose. Your body is a temple. And taking care of that temple is an act of worship. And it's hard. It's not simple. It's not easy, especially in the cultural context that we're in. Like, it's not convenient, and everything we do is based on convenience. But living for God means stewarding his temple well. And while we're talking about the body, I don't want to just talk about what we're eating or what we're drinking or putting into our bodies, but also what we're putting our bodies through. The verse right before that passage that we read, 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 19, the verse right before it, verse 18, Paul writes, he says, Flee from sexual immorality, for every other sin a person commits is outside the body. But the sexually immoral person sins against his own body. Do you not know that your bodies are temples of the Holy Spirit who is in you, from you, whom you have received from God? You are not your own. You were bought with a price. Therefore, honor God with your bodies. This has nothing to do with piercings or tattoos. And I'm saying that to my Sunday school teacher who may or may not be listening to this podcast one day. It has nothing to do with that. It has everything to do with stewarding your body well as to the Lord because he has given it to you. Guys, when it talks about sexual immorality, sex is not just a physical interaction. It is an emotional connection and a spiritual connection. And outside of God's design for sex, it can feel like when we are in that, we are splintering and damaging our relationship with God. But it can also feel like we are splintering and damaging our relationship with ourselves. People who have issues with the way that they see their own bodies, they look in the mirror and they don't like what they see. They don't see something created by God, redeemed by God for his good purpose. Instead, sometimes they see something is dirty or misused. And when we live in that space, it can perpetuate the lie that you are broken or that you are bad and that you will never get better. Guys, there are therapists out there who specifically deal with people who have experienced 
um, sexual abuse from a young age. That is a trauma that I, I have not experienced and my heart breaks for people who have. And it's, it's weighty and it's big and it's not something you're just like, well, I'll just like ignore it for 20 years and it'll go away. Like, no, it doesn't, it doesn't work like that. Guys, what we put into our bodies matters. What we put our bodies through matters as well. Now, hopefully that you can come here tonight and you can, you can think about the cycles that you're in, healthy or unhealthy, where you can make small changes and just have, have accountability in that. Where can you grow? Where can you change? Where can you pursue the Lord in a different way? And hopefully you can have a framework that says you were bought and paid for by the body and the blood of Jesus Christ so that your body may be a place that God resides. And when God resides in us, that does not mean automatic healing. It does not mean that the stress goes away or the anxiety goes away or the trauma from your past and, and whatever you went through, it doesn't mean that it goes away. But God uses that as part of your story. And that brings me to the book of Genesis, the very beginning in this crea creation account in Genesis chapter 1. God creates everything, all things, 100% of things in existence. God creates it in six days, and then he does what on the seventh day? You guys know? He rests. I love how that's at the very beginning of the Bible. The very beginning of one uh, of the book that has the most historical evidence, the very beginning of the number one best-selling book of all time throughout human history, at the very beginning, God, who's eternal, who does not get exhausted, who does not get worn out, he works and he rests. And he doesn't give us that picture as an accident. He gives us that picture because he knows we are going to destroy his purpose and his intention. I think we're starting to, to kind of break out of a culture where it was all about the grind, right? When I was in high school, when I was in college, it was like, you work, you work, you work, you work, you work. My grandpa never took a day of work off on his life. If he didn't have to go to work, he was building something in his shop. He was doing this, he was doing that. And that may have been fulfilling for him, but he was always working. When I was a little kid, my dad was gone all the time. He was working 80, 85 hour work weeks. That is insane. I would see my dad when he would wake me up for school. And then I'd see him the next day when he would wake me up for school. And the next day when he'd wake me up for school. And that was it. He missed softball games and t-ball games he missed boy scouts he missed all these things because there was this grind i've got to work to provide and i'm not saying you shouldn't work to provide for yourself and for your family i'm not saying you should be lazy and wicked you should steward that well but just being on the grind is not healthy it's not responsible and it's not in the design that god gives us in his truth guys there's two books that came out a couple years ago around the same time, To Hell with Hustle and The Ruthless Elimination of Hurry. And I think those books inside the church were catalysts for people saying, maybe I should just stop and breathe for a second. But they didn't single-handedly change a culture. Guys, we've got to make sure we spend time resting. Let me get really vulnerable with you guys for a second. I am terrible at doing that. 
I am terrible at saying no to things. If somebody's got an opportunity or I've got this side hustle here, I can make a little bit of money doing that. I'm, yes, yes, yes. Oh, I'd love to. Let's hang out. Let's do it. I go to sleep too late. I wake up too early. I am terrible at that, and I am feeling the effects of that. We did some, some youth events to, to go sledding uh, last month, and I went on a Saturday and then again on a Monday. And I'm in my 30s now, and I feel it. And after that weekend, I kind of felt like I might be in my 40s. I showed up on Sunday morning. For those of you guys who don't know, our church is set up and tear down, and I oversee all of that. So I'm the first person to get into the car. Seth and I, we get into the vans, and I'm like sore, and I'm kind of like hunchback. And I walk in, and I'm like, oh, yep, I'm not moving anything heavy today. Like, you guys got that. One of the guys looks at me, one of our deacons, and he's like, dude, you're not young anymore. I was like, but you didn't have to say it out loud. (laughs) And he goes, my kids make fun of me all the time for like stretching. And I was like, what? You stretch? Nobody told me I'd have to start stretching after I turned 30. Like nobody warned me that like, hey, your physical health is going to start declining really fast at this point. And I haven't been very intentional about making decisions to get more sleep, to get more rest, to just saying no to things that I don't need to do, placing priority on being in a healthy place because I am given one body. I am given one opportunity, one shot in life. And I want to use that to honor God with everything I can. And being up here and speaking to you guys is one way that I honor the Lord. But if I'm not reflecting that in my daily life and the things that I'm doing when people aren't watching then what am I really doing? Is it just lip service? From an authentic place, guys, worshiping God is an all-in or all-out kind of thing. And if we have one foot out the door, we will start to fall on that foot and we will lean further away from God. When God gives us this challenge, this command to rest, we get to be like our creator. We get to be like our father and rest to worship him and to honor him with everything that we've got, with everything that we do. And tonight, there, there are definitely times where like God will lead a pastor or a preacher to speak on something because it's for the congregation. But I think I need this just as much, if not more than you guys do. Because when I was in your place, I didn't have healthy habits. I wasn't making responsible decisions as far as stewardship's concerned. And here I am 10, 12 years later, and, and I still don't have those. And I wish someone had presented this to me and told me that when I turned 30, I need to start stretching before I go do like any physical activity, period. But nobody did. And I was like, I'm just going to be fine. It'll be whatever. I don't, what, I'm just going to keep you know, doing my thing, going to sleep at 2 o'clock in the morning. Because I didn't think about my lifestyle in that sense as worship. I didn't think about that as this is supposed to be devoted to the Lord as well, right? I thought about, well, if I don't get some sleep, it'll be fine. I can go on like four hours of sleep a night. You do that for like two weeks and you are drained. And when you are drained in ministry, you have nothing left to give. I worked at a camp in Kentucky uh, after my sophomore year of college. And that summer was where I really felt like the Lord was calling me into ministry. And I kind of weighed that call. God, is this really what you're telling me to do? And I remember at the beginning of that summer, 
they said, we, we were going to get five days off from the middle of June until the beginning, no, from the middle of May until the beginning of August. Five days off, that was it. They said, this is going to be the hardest summer you'll ever love. That was kind of like their slogan, their campaign for like recruiting summer staff. And they said, if you don't trust in the Lord to bring you through this, you are going to burn out and you will not make it through the summer. And I watched coworker after coworker, summer staffer after summer staffer, just be exhausted and burn out. Fourth of July hit, I had Fourth of July. I had three of those five days off were around Fourth of July, and I didn't get another day off for the rest of the month of July. I was with students all day long, from literally 7.30 in the morning until 11.30 at night. You're go, go, go. You can't turn off. You're in the middle of worship. You're leading worship. You're teaching. You're leading Bible studies. You're leading small groups. And in the middle of that, you're trying to like make sure a kid doesn't shoot his eye out with a paintball gun. And you love him, but he is annoying as all get out. And all you want to do is go lay in your bed and turn the air conditioner on full blast because it is 105 degrees in the Kentucky summer. In the middle of it, I was like, God, I do not want to be here. And sometimes we see in Scripture where somebody will think something and will say, they said to themselves, it says, and Jesus will answer. I remember saying, God, I don't know that I want to be here. And my friend Austin goes, hey, man, you look really tired. I don't think you want to be here. And I was like, whoa. And he goes, but I think you've been trying to do this all on your own for the last couple weeks. And you haven't been relying on the Lord. You haven't been trusting in the Lord. I was empty. And when we're empty, we're vulnerable, and the lies of the enemy can creep in, and they can tell us that we're not good enough, or that we're not strong enough, or that we'll never break this cycle, or we can't get out of it, or, or we can't get into this thing that we know is good for us. And that can weigh on our mental health. I do not think that you just say, well, like, I'm just going to shrug my shoulders at whatever I've experienced. I'm just going to keep going. I think we can hopefully all agree at this point in this series, like, that's not the responsible way to deal with it, right? When Steve talked about anxiety, if the alarm is going off, you just keep hitting snooze or covering it up. You're not addressing what's going on. Guys, be intentional about the one body you have as using it and living as if it is a temple, where the Holy Spirit dwells inside and changes you over time from the inside out. That verse when it says, you are not your own. You were bought with a price. Therefore, honor God with your bodies. Let's do that. Make those decisions, put accountability in place. If you're a part of a discipleship group here through college, find accountability in those spaces and in those rooms. If you meet one-on-one with somebody, find accountability in that. If, if you don't have that, put something on your wall and tell your roommate to annoy you about it. Because you have an obligation and an opportunity to worship God with the way that you live with the way that you eat, with the way that you sleep. Did you guys realize that worship could be that easy? Just going to bed? Because you are taking care, you are stewarding the temple of God well when you live responsibly. And just like it says, honoring God with your bodies.
Let's make a shift. Let's make a change. Let's, let's do what we need to do. And it's hard. Because when you feel like you're at the bottom of the pit, like getting out of bed is hard enough, much less like doing laundry or cleaning up the dishes from dinner last night or even like brushing your teeth sometimes just feels like a task that you are like don't have, you don't have it in you. As those little things can lead to significant changes. I'm going to wrap up with this. We spent some time with, uh, if you guys were here last week, Lauren from Speak Out um, in Portland. Uh, she came with our youth leader team and led some workshops. Um, and so much really, really good content on dealing with mental health and anxiety and, and just foundations in that. Um, and I started kind of looking back on her Instagram when we got home, and she does this weekly checkup. If you guys didn't follow her on Instagram, you guys should. Um, she does this weekly checkup. How are you feeling? What are you doing? Have you drank enough water this week? Did you get enough sleep? And when I first started seeing it, I was, I was like, oh, that's kind of like nice, I guess. And as I started thinking about it, I was like, Ryan, did you drink enough water? I'm like, absolutely not. Like, I don't even have to like think about that for a second. Absolutely not. Did you get enough sleep? Absolutely not. But that reminder, that accountability, that, that voice that I believe like she is, is doing what the Lord is calling her to do to, to help us address our mental health and what's going on, like that reminder, did you drink enough water? Did you get enough sleep? Did you, did you make your bed? Did you do the little things externally with your bodies to bring motivation into into being able to surrender to God and just saying, God, I need you in this. And I'm going to worship you and praise you and all of these things.